get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, everybody. Yes, TSN Hockey Analytics on the air. I'm Andy McNamara, TSN 1050 Toronto. You can get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. We are delivered by Domino's. And folks, guess what? Guess what? Domino's 50% off. We coming up, baby, Monday to next Sunday, okay? 50% off all orders online. Any pizza, any size, any amount of pizza, any amount of toppings you want, 50% off. It's my favorite time of the year. I love it. 50% off week at dominoes.ca. That begins on Monday. Great show for you. Travis Yost from tsn.ca coming up in just a moment. Gus Katsero's Roto World Analytics columnist, McKean's hockey analyst as well. After that, we'll get into some possible coaching challenge rule changes and, and dip in and out of that from our TSN hockey insiders. And then we'll wrap up the show with NHL fantasy hockey talk from NHL.com. Fantasy hockey writer James Harding. You can also watch right now. This is brand new. And also watch right now, live, me do the show from the TSN 1050 Toronto studio on Twitch TV. So twitch.tv backslash Andy Mac live. Twitch.tv backslash Andy Mac, M-A-C, live. And you can do that right now. But let's bring in Travis Yost. Travis, how are you, bud? Andy, it, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pre-spoil a piece this week. But it dawns on me, I looked at it this morning, there is a real chance that the six best teams at the end of the season come from two divisions in the league. There's something fundamentally wrong here. Absolutely. Travis, we're just having a little bit of audio issue for a sec here. Uh, we're going to try to get you fixed up there in a sec. Okay, there we go, buddy. All right. Sorry about that. I missed your total. Are we surviving? Are we alive? Are we <laughs> I missed your, to- your total intro. There we go. We are back live, and that's great. I'm sure that looked great on uh, Twitch uh, Twitch TV right there, me uh, scrambling <laughs> around trying to kind of trying to get this fixed up. Uh, so uh, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I it just I was looking at this morning uh, yeah. because I'm, I'm looking at the playoff race and how it's taking shape now, and there is a very real mathematical possibility the six best teams in the league could be coming from two divisions wow. between the Atlantic and the Pacific, which they again year five of the playoff format needs to change. Yeah, no doubt, and we've talked about that. We will keep talking about that, but let's get in <laughs> to <laughs> let's get in to the deep dive that you took into the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs collision course for another first round playoff matchup. And at the moment, both teams six three and one in their last ten. Boston's lost three straight. Toronto has lost three of five. Now both lineups have taken a serious hit injury wise, lost some key players. And last year it was an eventful seven game series. Yet this year it seems like Boston has. A bit more of an edge over Toronto. That's the feel we get in Toronto just kind of nationally as well. How much has changed in this head-to-head matchup to you from last year's playoffs to this year's? Well, this is a crazy thing. Like, I don't think Toronto is playing particularly poorly. Um, they're, they're certainly not playing as they were. Um, and and the, the heart of the piece was this Toronto team in the last 20 or so games is playoff caliber, but not nearly as good as the team we saw back in November and December. And I think I think every Leafs fan would agree with that. And then on the other side of the equation, you have the Bruins, who were decent to start the year and have just exploded since January. I think uh, I think when we looked at this in the last like twenty or twenty five games, Toronto was playing at like a ninety five point pace, and Boston was like a hundred and twenty two. So I mean, there, there's been a sizable shift in 
in performance, especially of, of late. And I, I do think a good piece of it has to do with the injuries. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know that you can easily replace a Jake Gardner on most teams. You certainly cannot on a team like Toronto. That's a bit more shallow, uh, a bit more shallow talent side on uh, on the blue line. But you know, he, here's the issue, and and this is the heart of the, uh, the heart of the question. Yes, it is completely true that Toronto is going to get a very unfavorable first round draw, and and we again, I think we are the, the you know the the textbook arguer of this and we have been for years that the playoff format can be unkind from time to time but the the question i have is like okay toronto's a good team they are they were built to be a very good playoff team last year and a stanley cup contender this year the bruins are terrifying the bruins are good enough to beat toronto they may even be good enough to give tampa bay a series and the same is kind of true for toronto too but the, the question I ask is, if Boston beats Toronto here in six or seven games, let's call it, I mean, they will have home ice advantage, and Boston is likely at this point going to be favored in that series. What what lie ahead for Toronto here? Because, like, this, this would be now the fourth year of Mike Babcock in Toronto without a single playoff series win with three consecutive first-round exits. And, look, I, I will be the first one, I think, to argue that Toronto has been – you know, the 2016 team drew a, a ridiculous matchup against Washington, and that team wasn't really ready for prime time. And then last year they get a tough draw, and this year probably a tougher draw. But at some point you do have to win, right? Like, you do have to win something. And I, I don't know that everything will roll into the 2019-2020 season very comfortably, either from an organizational or roster standpoint, if the Leafs do lose again in the first round. And, and Travis, you also went into each Canadian team and their likely first-round playoff opponent, opponent there. So, And that was, of course, on tsn.ca. And i got to say, from looking at the information, there's really no guarantee at all that a Canadian team even makes it out of the first round this year. And that sounds crazy from where we were looking at things coming into the season. That includes the first-place Winnipeg Jets. Can you take me through a couple of those scenarios where things could go south real quick for the Canadian teams? Yeah, it's... That that was also my conclusion too, but I only reached it at the very end, and I was like, "Oh crap, this is really tough for Canada this year again." Um, you know, Montreal, if they make it or don't, if they make it, it's a great season. Period. End of discussion. But they're likely. I think they're um, in the vast majority of simulations when they do make the playoffs, they play Tampa Bay in the first round, so that's that's effectively an elimination. Uh, Toronto obviously is going to be a, a bit of an underdog in that series against Boston, in all likelihood, if they, if they are the road team. Um, Calgary is probably the best team, at least from what we've seen start to finish this year. But if again, and we've been, this is something we've been talking about since January. If they don't win the division, they are going to play Vegas in the first round, and I, I think that will be a very, very competitive series. I think Calgary might even be a very, very slight favorite. But of all the teams, I, I would not want to play here. It's, Vegas has got to be near the top of the list. I mean, they're seven and one, eight and one since they brought in Mark Stone. Just, just beating the doors off teams for the most part. The only game they lost uh, was, a, was a, a super fun game up in Calgary where they, they played Malcolm Subban on a back-to-back. So, I, you know, that, that's certainly not the team you want to play in round one. Um, now, that said, that's, that's why it's so critical. If Calgary can win the division, they're likely going to get wild card. They, they will almost certainly get the second wild card team, which could be Arizona, Minnesota, Dallas, Colorado, um, those are all favorable draws. And if that's the case, Calgary is going to be a pretty substantial favorite to get into round two, um, which is why, again, it's critical that Calgary win the division. Um, Winnipeg is probably the most, the biggest question mark, the biggest unknown right now because of how that division is so tightly clustered. Winnipeg could finish in any or no more than three or four different slots and face up to, I think there's, there's like six teams 
where they have at least a 7 or 8% chance of playing. So they, there are a lot of teams in the mix there. I mean, they could still win the division outright. They could finish third in the division. Um, and then you've got all the shuffling within all those wild card teams. So, again, I think Winnipeg, uh, you know, in a vacuum, you might actually say Winnipeg might have the best draw because right now it looks like they'll at least more likely than not be the home team and likely either get the three slot in the, in the division, um, which won't be as tough as a Vegas draw, um, that Calgary could get, or they'll get the, or they'll get the wild card draw, which is definitely going to be favorable. But again, I, yeah, you could easily see a doomsday scenario where, you know, a doomsday scenario, in my opinion, is Winnipeg, Winnipeg plays St. Louis, possibly on the road, and Calgary draws into the second slot, doesn't win the division, San Jose wins the division, and Calgary gets fake. That would, that would set Canada up for a, possibly an 0 for 3, if not even an 0 for 4. Yikes. Yeah, that would be. That would be a doomsday scenario indeed in conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. Now, Travis, on Twitter, you are known for your hot food takes. Uh, someone asked for one. It had been a little while. And you went after uh, my favorite sandwich, maybe of all time, the Reuben. And I, I, tweeted, no, you a, I no, tweeted you a picture of the head-sized Reuben that I get in Cleveland every year. Um, what's, what's your beef? I agree with you with the Philly cheesesteak. Overrated sandwich. I agree. What's your beef with the Reuben, bro? So this all started when I got accidentally served a Philly cheesesteak when I ordered a grilled chicken sandwich, and I was livid. Um, this was like three days ago. But um, the Reuben sandwich, is just, it's just a disgusting like amalgamation of a lot of foods that don't belong together, and then you throw a Swiss cheese on top of it, which is comfortably the worst food that you can possibly eat. I, I think Swiss cheese is uh, probably the worst or second worst food ever made. And sauerkraut. Mushroom. Yeah, uh, sauerkraut's, uh, sauerkraut's manageable, but in a vacuum. I, I, at the end of the day, the sandwich doesn't make any sense. It doesn't taste good. The Swiss cheese absolutely kills it. Um, you're, I, I, it breaks my heart that that's your sandwich. It really does. You, this is your intervention. Man. In fairness, I only have it once a year, I do, when I'm down there in Cleveland for a Browns game. All right, uh, but let's, get, let's get back to hockey here. Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, we talked about the splash at the trade deadline, then some of the struggles. Now they're in that second and final wildcard spot as of Saturday. And Sergei Bobrovsky saved the playoff hopes for now. 46 saves to shut out the Hurricanes 3-0. Now Carolina and Columbus both have 83 points, both have a wildcard spot. And, of course, as we all expected, it was the trade deadline acquisition of Adam McQuaid who made the offensive difference last night with the opening goal, right? Yeah, that, that's what we all saw coming. Um, where are you seeing this Columbus team going the last stretch? Because we're in the home stretch here. Are you getting the feel that they're actually going to be able to hold off Montreal and, and Philly and, and hold on to that wild card spot? I, 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 th- I think Philly's going to be on the outside looking in. Like it, Philly just doesn't have a lot of room left, and they can't. I know yesterday's game against Toronto was utterly insane. That I might be underselling that, but I, I think Philly, Philly is largely out at this point. Uh, Montreal is obviously still very much in the mix, and again, I don't think any team's been more pleasantly surprising this year to me than, than Montreal. They are a scrappy team that I can go down without a fight, but if you just look at what is on the roster and the talent that's available, um, Columbus may have had a slight edge even before the trade deadline, and you go out and add Matthew Shane and Ryan Dezingle, and, of course, super goal scorer and game-winning goal scorer Adam McQuaid. Uh, that's, that's, that's the holy trinity of offense you brought now into Columbus. But, you know, you, you just look at you look at kind of the format and, and, and how these teams are setting up. I, I just think Columbus, it would be a tremendous disappointment if they didn't reach a postseason with the talent they do have available. Um, I think you've started to see a little bit of a turnaround. It's going to be a nice fight to the finish, but I do give them a little bit of an edge. And, and Carolina, you know – 
that was a that was a tough loss in Columbus. Like give full marks to Sergey Bobrovsky. You said forty six save shutout, but another vintage Carolina game where they look so freaking good for the majority of games, and they have two or three mental lapses, and it absolutely killed them. Um, but again, I even on paper, uh, I still put Carolina probably slightly ahead of Montreal too. So I, I, I could probably give Columbus a slight edge in, to to realize a wild card berth. Um, but they have done themselves no favors post trade deadline. I think they opened up one four and one something to that effect, and now they've got to erase that in a hurry. I think they they're they're they took the first step in doing that, but about ten games left, they've got it. They've got to go seven and three, seven two and one down the stretch, probably to cinch it. All right, brother. Good stuff, as always, despite your hatred of the Ruben. We will chat next week. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) Thank you, Rudy. There he goes. Travis Yost, the giver of hot takes on sandwiches, food, and all things in between. Other foods he hates uh, that we've discovered on the show is pancakes. Um, I'm not sure about brunch. We'll have to get to that maybe next week. But he does hate the Ruben and the Philly cheesesteak. You can send all your hate tweets to at Travis Yost and check out all his great work uh, on tsn.ca. After the break, Gus Katsiros, Roto-World Analytics columnist, and he's also from McKean's Hockey. Gus, next, TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. the meaning behind the numbers and more you're listening to tsn hockey analytics on tsn 1050 the voice of hockey back and rolling along here on tsn hockey analytics i'm andy mcnamara and you're listening on tsn 1050 toronto if you miss any of the show you can subscribe on itunes you go back to listen to the episodes there, the tsn1050.ca show page, iHeartRadio app, and you can also watch right now live on Twitch TV, twitch.tv backslash Andy Mac Live. You can see us interact, and you can say hello to us here uh, in the TSN 1050 studio. And we are delivered by Domino's, people. Don't forget, 50% off we come in starting Monday. Starting Monday, 50% off all pizzas ordered online at dominoes.ca. You want four pizzas? Fine. You want 10? Cool. As many toppings as you want, all at dominoes.ca. And joining me now on the Domino's delivery line, it is Gus Katsaros from Roto World and McKean's Hockey. Gus, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So uh, let's get to the Maple Leafs, of course. And boy, quite, quite a week again, Gus. It's, uh, it's uh, well, the last three games, Toronto's given up six goals to the Lightning, five to the Blackhawks, six to the Flyers on Friday and we'll get to the alarming goal totals in a moment, but I want to start with this common thread amongst those games. The Leafs gave up the first goal in every matchup this week, and one of Mike Babcock's mantras is starting the game on time, something his team has not been doing lately. So how do you feel the Leafs best address the slow starts they've been experiencing this week? Well, I think that the Leafs are a really good transition team, and and it, that transition creates a lot of chances that mostly work off the rush. You don't get a lot of cycle time. You don't get a lot of end zone time. And I think if you're going to try to at least force your will upon a, uh, um, an opponent and try to get uh, the better of them and really have a, a quick start, 
Uh, it probably has some element of, of offensive zone time. You clearly don't want to spend too much time in your own zone. Um, and that's essentially what the Leafs do. So they wait for that moment. They transition out. They create their chance. And it seems like they're always coming back to the, the opposite way. So if they're able to at least get the puck into the offensive zone and create a little bit of time to give them something um, that they can possibly build on shift after shift after shift um, and progress to a point where they can finally score some goals, get the lead, um, and play with the lead and not have to rely on goaltending just so much, um, then I think that that would affect them getting much better, uh, at least more competitive, quick starts. Right, and when we look at the actual total number of goals for the Maple Leafs, 17 goals in three games, and it was a hot topic around TSN 1050 yesterday. Uh, so where the blame should be placed for this lack of defense, the, the coaches of the players, uh, is it where should it go? Some say Mike Babcock has not adjusted to the game that's happening in front of them. Others argue the Leafs don't have the level of talent on the ice that they normally do as a result of the injuries and illnesses that are hitting the team hard recently. So there's a, you can make a case for both sides of it. Where do you come out of it? Do you blame this amount of goals being given up on coaching more or the actual players on the ice? You know, right off the bat, I would say that Freddie Anderson hasn't really been as good as he was leading up to, let's say, the last couple of weeks. Um, a few weak goals, it forces the Leafs to go on a more offensive uh, mindset. It creates more chances coming back the other way, and it just kind of rebounds and skyrockets. Um, at the same time, some of those goals are really weak to the degree that you know it just there's a, de- um, a demoralizing effort in trying to get back into a game. And, and you see over the last couple of games specifically, um, they go down 5 nothing. they come back to 5-4. So the Leafs need to bail themselves out with the ability to score. Same thing happened last night. Um, so I think that right off the bat, it starts off with goaltending. Um, the fact that defenders clearly do not pick up their assignments, and this is a consistent problem regardless of the personnel, um, because obviously some injuries uh, do factor in here as of late, uh, but they don't really do a good job of picking their assignments in the defensive zone, and they leave players open. And even in situations where the Leafs are outnumbering the opposition, they allow a scoring chance. And to me, that, that's, a, that's an execution problem. That's not necessarily a coaching problem. So it starts in the net. They have issues in the defensive zone missing their assignments. Um, it translates to a whole bunch of other different things. So uh, I, I, I think that's essentially where you got to lay the blame. It's become much more um, – the optics have become much worse because Frederick Anderson hasn't been a stellar self. So it just kind of goes to show you if the Leafs don't have stellar goaltending, they have issues. In conversation with Gus Katsaros from Roto World, one of their analytics columnists, McKean's hockey analyst as well, on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, that is Cats with a K, and our analytics insider, brought to you by 1 in 100, win killer seats to any Toronto game for less than the cost of a pitcher of beer. Go to 1in100.net. One in 100. Check it out today. Real cool site, folks. Okay, Gus, we mentioned the number of uh, injuries and illness that have affected the Leafs this week. And as a result, there's holes in the lineup. So Babcock has reunited the offensive pairing of Austin Matthews and William Nylander. What have you thought of those two being paired together once again? Yeah, I think at this point in time, that has to be your default. If you have to question where everybody goes in the lineup, um, you're probably defaulting to Matthews and, and Nylander probably playing together. And maybe from a situational perspective or maybe a game-by-game basis, you might essentially kind of move Nylander uh, and Kapanen up and down uh, the lineup. So I think that they should automatically default to that as being a pairing. It's clear that Austin Matthews 
um, can be just that much more dangerous if he has a, a more creative and dangerous winger in Nylander than he does maybe in Kasperi Kapanen. Um, but if they do need to tinker, then I don't mind them being split for short short durations as long as they do find their way back to pairing with each other. And, Gus, for the first time in a long time, it's probably fair to say that Frederick Anderson is struggling in net, and we touched on that a little bit earlier, right? But uh, the struggles are coming at a, a bit of a curious time, and Mike Babcock hinted that he wants to have Freddie start around 56 games total this regular season, which means that Garrett Sparks would see a lot of action down the stretch here. Now that Freddie's in a little bit of a rut, how much of Babcock's load management plan needs to change? I feel like we're talking about the Raptors and Kawhi, right? The load management. Is it, is it best to play Freddie more and let him work through it or keep sticking to the plan and have Sparks there so Freddie is fresh for the playoffs? Well, I think that this also has to do with his health, right? We don't really know. But goaltenders have nagging injuries, and especially over down the stretch. Um, some really like to be fresh, and they just need to be in the net to be able to be effective. Um, and if that's what he needs to kind of work through issues, then, yeah, obviously limit the load, but allow him or at least give him the opportunity to work through whatever it is he needs to work through to be his optimal best heading into the playoffs. Um, I like the element of rest, too, especially with goaltenders. You know, the up-and-down movement, they're it's just like a catcher in baseball. You just can't always have the same guy in that um, for a full schedule. It just doesn't work on the body. Um, so if they can kind of enforce more rest while not really inhibiting um, anything that takes that he takes personally to be able to be successful, I think that they can, that's where your load management comes into play. And, guess we'll wrap up on this one. This week on Roto World, you took a deep dive into the power play drop passes you tried to figure out if scoring on the rush at five on four could have any sort of effectiveness as an alternative to the traditional power play strategy of setting up in the offensive zone wearing the defense out with pretty passes full discretion to the listeners here as you noted at the start of your article you're not the biggest fan of the drop pass so did your research for the piece change your mind at all Oh, yeah. No, it didn't. Um, as a tactic, I really don't like the drop pass. I absolutely understand that it has merit and it has a strategic value. So if teams are going to adopt that and it just seems like it's one of the main strategic elements now in the power play as they try to break out um, and try to get into the zone, um, if teams are going to end up defaulting on that, well, then maybe we need to start changing our mindset a little bit. You know, in-zone setup is not necessarily the only way to score goals. If they could figure out a way to start scoring off the rush – even if that means that they have to go back and regroup and get back into the zone, um, perhaps there are better ways to score on the power play. So the data doing the research here shows that if you can get into a scoring chance area and take a shot, there's a better chance to score a goal. Um, obviously, if you just get into the zone and take a wild shot from anywhere, it really doesn't have that much of an effect. So there, there's merit to the idea of trying to generate more rush attempts rather than in-zone strategy on the power play. And that drop pass is one of those things that kind of initiated that idea. Excellent. All right, buddy. Well, that'll do it for this week. Really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Pleasure's always mine. Thank you very much, Andy. All right, there he goes. Gus Katsaros from Roto World, from McKean's Hockey, on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, Cats with a K. In about 15 minutes' time, we'll talk some fantasy hockey with James Harding from NHL.com. But after the break, coaching changes? or rather rule changes to the coach's challenge umbrella, how impressive Nikita Kucherov has been, the TSN Hockey Insiders weigh in next, right here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. 
This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. We're back. TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. You can subscribe on iTunes. Rate us there as well, tsn 1050ca show page. We'll tweet out the links at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. And new thing we're trying here, folks, you can actually watch us do the show live right now, right now at twitch.tv backslash AndyMacLive, twitch.tv backslash AndyMacLive. Click follow once you're there. And, yeah, we'll be doing this show live, uh, NFL stuff, fantasy football, uh, hockey, all, pretty much everything. So a lot of cool stuff coming there. James Harding, speaking of fantasy, NHL fantasy guest from NHL.com coming up in a few moments. But TSN Hockey Insiders, James Duthie, Dave Poole, and Craig Button, and Bob McKenzie rolled through a few different topics. Producer Sean Lavery, there, there was a bit of, well, a bit of interest as far as the, the net coming off rule uh, for Maple Leaf fans this week. Right, and of course it affects the Leafs, so yeah. it's obviously a big topic item around the league. Right. Twice this week, the Leafs had goals taken away from them because the net was knocked off uh, before the puck went in. And in both situations, you could make an argument that the net was knocked off intentionally by a defenseman or by the goaltender of the opposing team. So the question right now is, if the play is as such that it looks like at least semi-intentional, mm-hmm. should that play fall under the umbrella of plays that are allowed to be challenged by coaches? Interesting. Yes. Well, the TSN Hockey Insider panel on the quiz debate that and other things. So what do you think? Yes or no to challenges for nets being removed from their moorings? Craig Button. No to challenge. We don't need more stoppages in the play. The referees, if they're in the proper position, which they are just about every single time, that's a call they're going to have to make. If they think it should be a penalty, then they got to make that call. But no to challenges. No to challenge for me as well. And, and these things come up. And all of a sudden, now a couple games in a row, it's been a focus. They'll refocus on that in the referee's room. They've got to make the penalty call or the penalty shot call in the last minute or overtime. No, 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 no more <laughs> challenges. No more. I think we've... Uncle, no more. Should point out, too, that the general managers talked about the, the peg system on the nets and how it's been, kind of, they've been coming off a little too easy. And they're working on a new system. So A season of amazing stats for Nikita Kucherov. We're going to ask which is the most remarkable number. The fact that he leads the NHL scoring by 15 points. That rarely happens these days. That he has eight games with at least four points. That never happens. And the fact that he's earning $4.8 million this season. Or that he was passed over 57 times in the 2011 draft. Bob McKenzie. I'll say leads by 15 because it's so hard to main, maintain and sustain that elite level of offense that he's achieved over the course of the year. That's the one that jumps out at me. Dave Poulin. The last time it was done was 95-96. Eight four-point games. And it was done 16 times by Mario that year. Nine times by Forsberg. Nine times by Yager. And eight times by Oates. But not since 95 96. Has anyone done what Kucharov does this year? Passed over 57 times. You know what this is? The scoring leaders from the 2011 under 18 tournament. He had 11 goals and 10 assists. He dominated. I guess he was not tall enough or didn't have the right birth nation to be drafted from. It was all there to see. He should have never gone that late. 4.8 million is the the buy of the century right now. The 9.5 a year kicks in next year, and that looks like a bargain the way he's playing. That was uh, the quiz, TSN Hockey Insiders. Duthie, Poulin, Button, McKenzie.
I'm Andy McNamara, TSN Hockey Analytics. So those are some, uh, the, the rule changes with the Nets coming off. Interesting off the top there. Producer Sean Lavery back on with me. Now, Shawnee, we are, we are right down to the wire yes. for teams to make the playoffs, that final push, final seed positioning. And you got some information on the strength of schedule for yeah, some of so these teams. This is interesting. From PowerRankingsGuru.com, what they do is they take the average. So they, they power rank every team 1 to 31, yeah. right? And then they take the average ranking of the of a team's opponent. So say the Leafs, the average rank of their opponents, they are all power ranked somewhere in the top 10. So okay. therefore, they would have a hard schedule, um, just as an example. So we mentioned some teams in the playoff hunt right now. Montreal on the outside looking in as of this morning. They have the fifth hardest schedule going forward for the rest of the year. Okay. So if Montreal wants to make it in, they have tough competition. They're going to have to play really well. The Carolina Hurricanes, who are right there with Columbus, have the sixth hardest schedule. So Carolina, Montreal have really hard schedules. And Columbus is kind of somewhere in the middle, leaning towards a bit of an easier schedule. So I just found it interesting how in the Eastern Conference wildcard, two out of three teams have a really hard schedule. And then Columbus is just kind of floating with a leaning towards an easier schedule. Um, And the Nashville Predators have the seventh hardest schedule. They're, of course, battling with the Winnipeg Jets for tops in the Central. Uh, When we look at the easy side of strength of schedule, the team that has the easiest schedule remaining in the final 10 or so games is the Calgary Flames. Oh, and as that's Travis good for you, has mentioned, Well, yeah, it's a Flames <laughs> fan. It's good. But Travis has harped so much about how winning a division is probably most important to the Calgary Flames oh, out of all the divisions, yeah. right? So the yeah. fact that they have the easiest schedule obviously bodes well for them. But the team right on their heels of San Jose Sharks, they have the fourth easiest schedule. Ooh. So that's where it gets interesting. You think, oh, Calgary has the easiest schedule. That's great. Well, not really because the Sharks have the fourth easiest schedule. Yeah, they're going to have to real one point up only as of Saturday. And then looking the locally Flames. here at Toronto, Toronto has the sixth easiest schedule as they try and pursue the Boston Bruins for home ice advantage. The Bruins are like the Blue Jackets, somewhere in the middle, leaning towards an easier right. schedule. And that the last ten stretch is very interesting with these two teams because they're right, they're neck and neck with that same six three and one record as we talked about earlier. Bruins have lost three in a row. The Maple Leafs, I think. How, how important do you think, Shawnee, it is for the Leafs to actually get? That home ice. I think it's critical. Like, you might, the odds as of right now, you feel all things being equal might still be stacked against them. But to get that home ice and a chance to really try to take that game one at home, I think is very important for the Maple Leafs. So two weeks, about about two weeks ago on the station, that was like the big debate. Yeah, What's more yeah. important? And it came down to home ice advantage or Frederick Anderson being well-rested. Um, my argument is that it's more important for Freddie to be rested than mm. for the Leafs to have home ice advantage. My thinking being that if Freddie's tired, he's tired no matter if you're playing at home or if you're playing on the road, right? Yeah. It's like it's one of those things. It doesn't matter where you're playing. If you're tired, you're tired. So I think, and especially at this point where Travis even mentioned it in our first segment, that it kind of seems like Boston has home ice advantage, barring not quite a miracle, but barring like a really strong run from the Maple Leafs here and a, and a pretty poor run from the Bruins down the stretch. So I, might, I, I don't know. I, home ice is important, but I think the Leafs have bigger issues facing them at the moment, especially defensively lately and with Freddie. Sure. Um, that they need to address those. Well, yeah, ultimately, the home ice is nice, but if your players aren't playing well, it doesn't matter where you play. Exactly. So there you go. We're going to take the break, come back to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics with James Harding from NHL.com, fantasy hockey expert. Get you ready for a busy slate. 12 games Saturday, 7 games on Sunday here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. 
unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, the iHeartRadio app. You can find us on the show page, of course, tsn1050.ca, on the Hockey Analytics page there, iTunes, subscribe, and rate us there. Get me on Twitter, Andy McNamara, at AndyMC81, on Twitch TV, at AndyMacLive, Instagram, AndyMCSports, and the show, of course, at TSN Analytics. Time, ladies and gentlemen, for fantasy hockey talk. I know you need the tips. I know you need it. And I got my guy, James Harding, from the NHL.com, their fantasy writer extraordinaire. Uh, James, a happy Stone Cold Steve Austin day. It's 316, baby. How are you? 316, Andy. I mean, two days in a row. First you get Stone Cold Steve Austin day, (laughs) and then you get St. Patrick's Day. I mean, they both should be national holidays, in my opinion. It's true. That's a lot of beer that's being drunk. A lot of beer. A lot of green beer. (laughs) Let's just hope we don't receive a stunner out of nowhere. We'll uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll keep keep our head on a swivel. All right, buddy. Let's start with stock up, stock down. For this week, and uh, we're boy, we are getting real close to the real life playoffs, and of course the the fantasy playoffs. Uh, so, who do you got for number one on your stock up? Yeah, my first stock up for the weekend from the Dallas Stars is forward Rupe Hints, uh, rookie this year, five percent owned in Yahoo leagues. Center, left wing, dual eligible. Scored his ninth goal of the season. Had four shots on goal in their loss against the Vegas Golden Knights on Friday. But he has scored now in three straight games uh, with four goals and one on the power play and 11 shots on goal in that span. He's getting a huge boost in fantasy value right now because he's on the first line skating on the wing with Tyler Sagan and Alexander Radulov and is skating on the wing with Sagan, Radulov, Jamie Benn, and elite defenseman John Klingberg on their first power play unit. So he's getting exposure at both even strength and the power play to the top elite players that the Dallas Stars have to offer. Um, He's available in 95% of Yahoo leagues right now. And so he's one of those guys that could be an absolute game changer for you in the playoffs if he can maintain this level of production and if he can maintain his exposure to those top forwards right now. And he's got a very, very uh, intriguing matchup on Sunday against the Vancouver Canucks. So it's a guy who... If you need some points, maybe you're trying to make the playoffs and you need a win this week, uh, if you need to drop somebody for a spot start, uh, look at Rupe Hintz right there. And then my second stock up for the week from the Florida Panthers is rookie goaltender Sam Montembeau. And this guy has just come in and taken over. (laughs) Three straight wins right now. He's only allowed five goals against in that span, playing against the Wild, the Red Wings, and the Sharks. Uh, 3-0-1 with a 2.24 goals against and 9-11 save percentage. And for the rest of the season, he really could see a timeshare with Roberto Luongo, who is winless in his past five starts. 
So it seems like with Montembeau that they're going to let him go a little bit here and give him some rope to kind of play and start and see what they have going forward because it doesn't seem like for too much longer Luongo or James Reimer are the long-term options in the Panthers organization. So it looks like they may want to see what they have with this kid and let him roll for a little bit down the end of the season. So two guys to keep an eye on for stock up. Stock down, we start with Sam Reinhart. Yeah, and, and he's taking a huge stock down. When you think he entered the month of March with 57 points, and here we sit on Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, <laughs> and he has 58 points. Um, you know, so he's pointless in his past six games, and in seven of his past eight, he only has one assist and 13 shots on goal in seven games this month. That top line of him, Skinner, and Eichel has definitely hit a wall and their production has dropped off, but he would be the one out of those three, especially in keeper leagues, uh, that you would drop if you need somebody to kind of jump in and start filling some of your production that you had been getting from Reinhardt having a great season before the month of March hit. Um, again, he's one of those guys out of those three. If you're in keeper leagues, I would drop. And in non-keeper leagues, I'm absolutely dropping him right now to try and find some uh, roster replacement for that lost production. And then my second stock down for the week is Matthias Eckholm from the Nashville Predators. 79% owned, pointless in five straight and in 10 of his past 11 games. His ownership has dropped below 80% now, and there are other better options out there when you consider the fact that he's in a lineup defensively with P.K. Subban, Ryan Ellis, and Roman Yossi. Uh, the production just isn't there right now this close to playoff time to be sitting around waiting for a guy like Eckholm to chip in and assist or a goal here and there. Cam Fowler's available. Mark Edward Vlasic, Brett Pesci, Adam Pellich from the Islanders. Low ownership guys who have been producing very much as of late. There are options out there. So I would say Reinhardt and Eckholm are definitely droppable in all formats right now to go find some more production. There you go. Stock up, stock down. Brought to you by Three Brewers Microbrewery Restaurants. Great beer, great food, great times. Locations across the GTA in conversation with James Harding. NHL.com's fantasy writer on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. If you got any fantasy questions, you can send it to him. He joins me on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. And folks, hey, I've been telling you all show this upcoming week. So Monday to Sunday, 50% off week at Domino's Pizza for any online orders for carryout. 50% off. Any size pizzas, any amount of pizzas, any toppings, how many you want. You can get 50 toppings if you want. I don't know. 50% off them all. So, there you go. James, unfortunately, that's only in Canada, so I don't don't know if uh, in the U.S. they have a a 50% off week yet, but I'm sure at some point it will be coming close to you, sir. I might have to just make the trip up there just to take advantage of that. There you go. (laughs) You know what? We talked when the stock up, stock down, some value guys you might want to plug in. Who's a waiver wire ad you got this week? Yeah, I love Jake DeBrusque from the Boston Bruins. Uh, He skated on Saturday morning on a line with uh, Charlie Coyle and David Krejci. He's missed the past five games with a lower body injury, but he had been skating with Krejci before the injury, and it seems like he's going to – immediately slot back in right there. Uh, he is only 39% owned in Yahoo League's left-wing, right-wing dual eligible. And before the injury, he had eight goals and seven assists and 29 shots on goal in his prior 10 games. So he had been on an absolute tear 
uh, playing with, with Krejci on that second line there and also playing on the first power play unit in place of the injured David Pasternak. So I would say that if he's available in your league, go jump on Jake DeBrusque right now uh, for the, the stretch run because he's absolutely going to be an impact player in the Bruins' top six. So that's for season-long waiver wire pop-em-up. What about for your DraftKings contest? Because, boy, James, this is a busy weekend of NHL games, which means it's perfect. You get a lot of variety in your DraftKings NHL contest. 12 games Saturday, 7 on Sunday. Give me a nice value play to slot into that lineup but that maybe won't break the bank, but has a good potential to earn you some fantasy points on DK. Yeah, and it's center Derek Ryan from the Calgary Flames. Uh, he's got four points in his last two games, uh, two goals, two assists, eight shots on goal. And it sounds like there's a chance he could slot onto the top line with Johnny Gaudreau because Sean Monahan is not going to be playing on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets. So if you can get him, uh, he's only $2,900 in DraftKings. Uh, so a great value play right there. I would monitor him to see if he jumps up with Gaudreau, but I think with his recent production, even if he's not skating with Gaudreau, he would be an excellent plug-and-play as a value center or as a utility slot at only $2,900. Nice. Uh, it doesn't get much better than, than a value like that, and especially the increase in value should he slot onto that top line with Gaudreau. That's a perfect opportunity. It gives you a chance Maybe go out and get one of the top-tier goaltenders who are always very pricey, of course, in the salary cap version of the game when it comes to DraftKings.com. So who's, who's your top goalie? You can pick Saturday or Sunday games. Which one do you like? Uh, I actually like the Saturday slot tonight for Darcy Kumper for the uh, Arizona Coyotes against the Edmonton Oilers. $7,900. He's 8-2-0 with a 1.90 goals against and a 9.43 save percentage in his past 10 games. Uh, he's playing absolutely unbelievable hockey right now, has been one of the best fantasy goaltenders over the past month or so, uh, has really just put that team on his back and gotten them into the playoff picture in the Western Conference, which is uh, an incredible feat when you, when you think of all the injuries that the Coyotes have had this year. But uh, Kumper's having a career season right now, 24 wins. Uh, he's 2-0-0 in two starts already this season against the Oilers. So I'm rolling him at $7,900, one of the best goaltenders tonight. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you very much. People can get you on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. To ask any of their fantasy hockey questions, use the hashtag heyharding. And, of course, read all your great work at NHL.com for fantasy hockey tips, advice, and all that good stuff. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, dude. I'll see you then. There he goes, James Harding from NHL.com, and that will do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto.